The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. I guess in my case, I think it was just a, obviously a tragedy that this had happened to my neighbours, but they shouldn't have to just rely on the sheer luck of having a lawyer in the village who was mad enough to do this. What if I hadn't been there? Or what if I hadn't been available? What if I was off doing something else? You never would have heard of Mary Dunn and they would have gone on living the most awful pain. The Hearing. On the 27th of August 2019, Harry Dunn was tragically killed at the age of 19 when his motorcycle collided with a car. The driver of the car, Anne Sarkoulis, admitted that she had been driving on the wrong side of the road. The injustice of the tragedy happened soon after when the US government advised and assisted Anne Sarkoulis to leave the UK under the cloak of diplomatic immunity. For most of the last year, the case has enjoyed a lot of media attention and has moved surprisingly fast for a complicated international political matter. Harry's parents, Tim and Charlotte, have been a powerful force reminding the UK government of their duty to the rule of law. And now Andrea Leadsom, former minister, is urging the US president to allow for a virtual trial to be conducted to give the family the justice they demand. I was lucky enough to sit down and speak with Rad Seeger, the spokesperson for the family of Harry Dunn and co-founder and principal of Confluence Crisis Management Services. Rad and I have been friends and colleagues for 15 years and I was very grateful that he had just enough time to sit with me and talk about his experiences in supporting the family of Harry Dunn and Debbie Adlam, PC Andrew Harper's mother. Rad had some powerful words on the place of lawyers in the pursuit of justice, but I wanted to ask him first about the importance of mental health and emotional support in such terribly sad cases. As a lawyer, we sometimes kind of lose sight of really what is important. We, we very rarely set objectives and we, to, we kind of tend to go down the legal road and we analyze mm. things and we come up with a bit of advice. You know, if you were to ask either of these mothers, what they really want is their sons back. Yeah. And you, you can't give them that. And then you think, well, what are you here for? What, 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 what value can you add? And um, although you, can, I, you and I can go on to talk about extradition, diplomatic immunity, um, uh, international relations, politics, maybe some of the things that a legal audience might be really interested in. Um, you know, for me, it's about how can I preserve and maybe improve their mental health. And if that's pursuing justice, we'll do that, like we're doing with um, Charlotte, because that's important. We all know about getting closure. But for Debbie Adlam, who's you know who's had her justice, isn't happy with it. You know, what is the best way forward? And that's where I think, well, look, actually, you know, the law is crap. You can't kill a police officer intentionally and not go to, go to jail for a few years. You got to go and get that change, and the, you know. Then, if you get people, and you'll know this, if you get people doing positive things, you know, then the endorphins start to flow around, and they're not even aware that they're starting to feel a bit better. So, for me, that's what this is about: is mental health, getting people involved in positive projects. You, 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 you see, very rarely um, do do does Charlotte ever criticize anybody publicly. I do all the ranting and raving, but as far as, as far as she's concerned, she is the one who is trying to help other people, and that's what Debbie Adams 
doing as well. So listen, you know how mad I am. You've always known how mad I am. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I always try and do things differently, Becky. And I know you do as well. I, I, I refuse to follow um, a template because I think lawyers largely, you know, just get in the way. And um, let's just see if we can go and do some good. If lawyers aren't out there doing good, then what the hell are we doing? I think you're so right. I was I was going to say that um, when you were talking about Charlotte, I I watched an interview this morning with her, and she was so eloquent and so amazing. And there was just a bit where she said, um, "I don't. I'm never going to feel like I've won. This isn't about winning for me." Yeah. And yeah. I just thought that's just that's the crux of it, isn't it? It's yeah. just this yeah. isn't about winning. It's about moving forward. Listen, and you've got kids, I've got kids, and you can only imagine, can't you? You can only oh, imagine. I can't. I or you can't, it you can't imagine. You can't imagine. So then you think, well, right, well, you know, what what, what possible use? And, you know, and I don't know if you know the story, you know, Charlotte uh, is my neighbor. Um, mm. And I've, not, I've known Harry since he was two years old. That's what, how I got involved. And what do you do when you see your neighbors absolutely torn to shreds? And then the police come along and say the person who killed him is gone and you have no chance of having anyone held accountable. Well, you know what I'm like. That was like red rag <laughs> to a bull. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, two two weeks later, we were in the Oval Office. What, what, you, just I, had, you just couldn't script it. You couldn't script I just it. wanted to talk to you about how you get there because... One of the things that I love about you, Rad, uh, is, I mean, as you said, we've known each other a really long time. And yeah. I got into the law originally because I had a passion for justice and right yeah. and making the world better. And I think a lot yeah. of lawyers do. And then I think we forget about it. I think that we just get absolutely swamped in the day to day of contracts and returning yeah. the right forms and covering yeah. off the risks. And we forget what the point of it all was. And what I really wanted to get from you is how do you go from being mired in that detail of have I filled out the right forms to I'm going to take this justice case on because mm. it's the right thing to do to now I'm standing in the Oval Office. I mean, that that is a trajectory. I can't even imagine how you get from one to the other. Well, that's a really good question, Becky. And I, I just uh, I think about this all the time. And since I was little and uh, I can remember being in a school playground and you know, if any of my friends were being bullied, you know, I, 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 for some reason I took on the role, I guess because of my physical size. Um, I'm six foot two, 18 and a half stone, as you know, and I'm a big guy. And I, I've always just sort of set out to protect the people who were close to me if I saw if I saw they, they came to any harm. And um, I, I have always sort of tried to, you know, whatever whatever I'm doing, whether it's professionally or at home, you know, just to keep things really simple and if i just don't like something i'm a bit of a fixer and i and i look for quick solutions i'm just a typical sort of you know i get very upset when i see suffering and i don't like it to endure so my own approach and i don't say that it's right is to do my best to fix the problem and um so i'm very quick and i'm sort of do it with a lot of force and it almost doesn't matter what it is it doesn't really matter whether i know how to fix the problem if i don't know how to fix the problem myself i'll go and find people who can help me so if you fast forward and like you i spent a career you know 
um, supporting organizations, um, helping them avoid risk or deal with things when things went wrong. Um, and that was very enjoyable. Um, but when you find out that your neighbors have lost their son, um, seemingly in, you know, albeit tragic, you know, simple um, circumstances, and it happens, we all know that there's a lot of carnage on the roads. Mm -hmm. I just thought, well, gosh, that's sad. I've lost, I've lost one of my friends. Um, my, my, his parents are suffering. And he didn't think anything of it. So I, I gave it about four or five weeks. Uh, it let the funeral go through. You know, whispers were started to going around the community that she had gone. But I didn't go and force myself on them. I just assumed that the police would have it all in hand. But my children, um, my son in particular, was exactly the same age as Harry and good friends with the family. And he started saying to me, Dad, you've got to go and help. There's a problem. And I sort of, you know, dismissed it initially because I just assumed the authorities had it all in hand. But he said, you know, he's, he's growing increasingly insistent mm -hmm. that I go and knock on the door. And um, the day I knocked on their door was was um, a couple of days after they had been told that she'd gone. And the police said, you have less than 1% chance of having anyone held accountable. Now, now Becky, as you know, I, I'm not a criminal lawyer. I've, mm -hmm. I've never really practiced in human rights. I, I um I simply instinctively knew I knew about diplomatic immunity um, and that it's there for very good reasons. If diplomats get posted in hotspot countries and get kidnapped and all that sort of stuff. But I said to the parents, well, that is just not right. And I, I came back home after I hugged and kissed them and said I would help. I think Becky was in about three hours. I had figured yeah. out myself. Um, that Anne Sekoulis did not have diplomatic immunity. And oh, really? they called a they called a big family meeting the next day, or they had already called one, because they were determined to try and do something, but they just didn't know what to do. And they had family liaison officers from the police, but who weren't being particularly helpful. And I I was asked to go to that family meeting, and there were about 45 people, aunts and uncles. And I I wasn't sure what my role was going to be, but the, the family liaison officer stood up and said, look, I'm terribly sorry. It doesn't look like this is going to go your way. There's not a lot we can do. And at that point, and he was a big chap as well. I just said, look, yeah, his name was uh, A.D. I said, look, A.D., thanks very much. And I stood up and I said, Anne Sekoulis does not have diplomatic immunity. And I absolutely promise you she's coming back. And... It was just, as you can imagine, gasps in the room. Because, you know, I, I, knew, I knew some of the family members, but I didn't know all of them. And they thought, well, who's this American living in the States <laughs> saying, saying the complete opposite of what the authorities are saying? Um, and of course, the reality is, Becky, that the room was just shell-shocked because this was only about five weeks after Harry died. Mm. Um, and we found ourselves in this incredible position of um, yeah, the family had decided without my involvement that they, they weren't going to take it, but they just didn't know what to do. And where do you turn to? Do you go to see a high street solicitor or do you, you know, hire a, a PR agency to get some publicity? These poor people, I think, were just on the verge of ringing the local newspaper to see if they would do, you know, half a page, you know, on, you know, some, some maybe on page eight or nine or something. And that was the really concerning thing for me is. They just didn't know where to turn. I think the stroke of luck was one of my best friends was, or still is, a, a senior reporter for Sky News. Ah. And um, I think that was 
the stroke of luck. And so I, you know, you know what I'm like, you know, you have, you have, sat, <laughs> you have sat in meetings with me and watched me, you know, um, I, I, I tend to go from zero to 100 in two seconds. I make my mind up in meetings and I, I'm not one of the ones who just sits there and listens and uh, I start table thumping and uh, that's just who I am. But I knew that without the media, I was nowhere. And, um, you know, just because of my friendship um, with this reporter, and I told her the story, and she was down the next day uh, with her crew interviewing um, the parents, Tim and Charlotte. And, uh, and like I said, you know, Becky, two weeks later, we were we were in the um, Oval Office. As I'm telling you the story, I, I, I'm still in um, shock, really, because as you know, this isn't particularly my field of practice. But... I, I, just taking it back to that school, schoolyard sort of, you know, that playground situation, my friend's human rights were being abused and I could see it. I then checked the law as best I could very quickly. I thought, nah, this is just the Americans being bullies. Um, and I think I'd figured out that the foreign office were um, kowtowing to the Americans. And I said, no, we're not having it. I think Part of what I love about the story from a lawyer's angle is the way that it typifies to me how lawyers can be creative with their solutions. Mm. And I know that sounds like a very kind of dry management-y way of saying it, but I suppose yeah. what I mean is, is that as lawyers, we sit in the world and we have so much in the way of resources and understanding and skills that we can apply to any problems, legal or otherwise. And we can often get, I think, stuck in our narrow boxes of checklists and forms and going through all the lists and writing the right letters. And we forget that actually we have a huge set of skills and resources and abilities to make change, get things done and affect justice for people who don't have access to what we have access to. And I think that one of the things that's always been very sad for me is that lawyers have lawyers have been one of those professions where it has seemed sort of like a, a bit of a dark art you know what we do is kind of shrouded in coded language and you know from kind of from a, a, purely, a purely fiscal or monetary point of view you know clients come to us to solve their problems but they don't entirely understand what their problems are and there is a you know they don't necessarily then understand what we're doing for them and at the other end of the spectrum you know, they can be taken advantage of by lawyers and be charged too much for simple things because there is this obfuscation around what it is that lawyers do. Mm. And yet we have such capacity to open doors for people and to bring them on a journey. And I feel that that is what happened with you, is that you had those skills, you had those ideas, you had those contacts, and knowing you as I do, you had the will to say, right, well, I'm just going to make this happen now. Yeah, I think you I think you put it perfectly, and you'll remember how difficult it was qualifying as a lawyer and studying the mm -hmm. law and passing passing those ridiculous exams and having to really expand your brain to assimilate all that data. It was, I think, mm. you know, one of the most uh, you know extraordinary things I've ever done. But you're right. Oh, I think yeah. um, sometimes I think lawyers just maybe through their training or whoever their teachers are do just stick to their tram lines and be like okay well that's the bit of law i know let's look at the problem see if i can apply 
the bit of law that I know to see if I can solve the problem. And if I can't, well, I might refer you on to a different lawyer. But for me, you know, as you know, I've dealt with some extraordinary things, you know, over mm. my career with some of which you've seen. And I yeah. always try to take a unique approach, an approach sometimes that, you know, many, many other lawyers wouldn't take because I think what I always try to do um, and I've had some fantastic mentors and teachers who have taught me over the years is to, you know, pause and, you know, take a step back and think, right, before you do any work, you know, where are you going with this? What, what do you want to achieve? And as you say, particularly with clients who probably don't know themselves. And if I think about Tim and Charlotte in particular, it's just lost their son. And the mm. person who took their son's life had walked away. You know, there, you know, you know, Tim is a head of maintenance at a, a local school, and until recently, Charlotte worked in a GP surgery. You know, they they didn't even know where to start. So, uh, you know, for me, I just I, I simply knew Becky that um, you don't get to kill somebody and walk away. And then I thought, right, okay, I I have studied international relations before. In fact, that's my degree, and my son studies it as well, and he's an expert in. Uh, diplomatic um, immunity. So I've had an advantage there. My son is a, a very, very important part of Team Harry. Um, but so I, I have that background. But for me, it was just very simple. And I think sometimes as lawyers, we, we tend to lose sight of the need to keep things simple and real because mm -hmm. we are very expert, aren't we, at dealing and grappling with complex issues. Mm -hmm. But we don't often step away from it and say to ourselves, right, okay, right, I do need to address those, but what is in our clients, or in my case, they're not my clients, they're just my neighbors and friends who I'm not charging a penny for, of course. Um, just think, right, what is the solution? And for me, it was number one, right, I'd figured out the bit of law that I needed to know. She didn't have diplomatic immunity, but how is how am I going to persuade the super tanker that is the United States to change position and the little tugboat that is the United Kingdom trying to get, you know, and I thought, right, I need to, I need to be more powerful than those two forces. So how am I going to do it? The only way I'm going to be able to do it is if I get the British, the great, and they are great, British public on side. And there's only one way to do that, sadly, in this country, and that's to go through the media. And, mm. you know, you need that platform. I could have stood at my house and shouted from the rooftops about the tragedy and the injustice of Harry Dunn, but you never would have heard of us. So uh, the other thing that I, uh, uh, you know, I want to discuss with you today is the importance of the uh, free press. Yes. And we run them down all the time. And, you know, you, you know, you might criticize the Daily Mail and I might criticize, you know, the Guardian for being too, you know, left leaning. The one thing that I have learned through all this is without the free press and the, the uh, in, you know, whatever sense that is, the broadcasters, the, the print media or the people who sort of do their stuff um, through social media online, you know, they are a cornerstone of our democracy, Becky, and mm. you need to harness them and then get the public on your side. And I promise you, when you get, as we did so successfully, the nation outraged, that is by far and away more powerful than, you know, um, Donald Trump or Secretary Pompeo or Dominic Robert Boris Johnson saying, no, this is not going to happen. As you've seen, I've simply mm -hmm. swept them out of my way. And you know, Becky, <laughs> you know, I, my, 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 my approach has always been 
and I hope you count yourself as one of them, you know, being a colleague and a friend, you know, if you, if, mm. if, if you're in my circle of trust, I'll protect you. But if you're in my way, you're standing in my way, and I can see where I want to go, I'm just going to sweep you out of my way, because you're in my way. Why are you? Why are you in my way? Get out of my way. And that's very much the approach. And I guess that's where a bit of the madness then comes in. So you might say creativity. My wife will say madness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, obviously where people are a bit concerned um, from the family that I was going on to take on the CIA and, um, mm. and the White House and the Foreign Office and a lot of people, I guess, I guess as lawyers, aren't we? We, we are quite conservative in approach. We're, we're very risk averse lawyers, aren't we? Yes. And yes, I are. know a lot of people would have said, mm, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You're a bit too frightened. And you know, baby, I, listen, I jumped <laughs> off that, I jumped <laughs> off that cliff before I, before I even started and there was nobody going to stop me. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that we need people in this world who are willing to jump off the cliff. Otherwise, nothing will get done. And that's, I think, one of the great tragedies of lawyers is that if more lawyers were willing to jump off the cliff, then they have so much in the way of skills and resources and capacity to yeah. make massive change. But as you're right, as a profession, we tend to be conservative yeah. with a small C. I think somebody, I, I can't remember who, um, but I once spoke to somebody who said that lawyers are they are both self-selecting and recruited for anxious perfectionist overachiever <laughs> character types quite quite and look i think it's interesting that you raise this point because one of the things that has happened since um you know i, I started doing this for harry's family you know uh, i have been approached by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people Becky, oh. asking for help, mm -hmm. um, people who believe that they've suffered injustice. And you've mentioned PC Andrew Harper's family. They're just they're just the latest, you know. But another very high profile one. I I, I think what we've started to talk about with with Charlotte because she is motivated to try and help other people is setting up a foundation, you know, which we'll call the, the Harry Dunn Charitable Foundation. Um, and there are other organizations, so I don't know that it would be a first who um, you know exist to help people who are going through injustice. But Charlotte really wants to do this because, as we've seen in Harry's case, um, there aren't. I don't think there are. I mean, uh, maybe not for me to comment on whether anybody else could have done this, but I um, people are being very kind <laughs> and saying, actually, Rad, this was a job for you. And um, just because of my, I guess, my, my, my force of personality and anything else. But I think one of the things that we want to do, Becky, is to have this foundation and then to be able to signpost people who are in a rut, who aren't maybe being supported by whichever authority is dealing with their matter. Um, and to be able to signpost them to the right person um, to help. And it won't always be me, of course, but to have maybe somebody like me who is totally unafraid to say that no, that is just not right. And we can, for instance, you know, with with you know, with the uh, Andrew Harper thing. Oh, you know, the the law as it currently stands delivered the best possible justice it could yeah. to Andrew's family. We can't argue about that. There is going to be no retrial. It's been referred to the Attorney General. Um, to see whether the sentence sentence was um, uh, unduly lenient, um, I personally don't believe it was under the current law. But then I sit down with the family and say, "Well, let's change the law." Yeah. 
And, and so it's just that sort of, you know, they had, they, you know, a lot of people and, you know, they'd started this online petition, which has now got over 500,000 signatures mm. demanding a retrial. I, I, you know, sometimes people just need to be sat down and said, look, you know, you give them, you know, you don't give them false hope. You, you can't change the world if you're somebody like me, but you look and see what is possible. And then, you know, we, we, we met, we met with Debbie's MP yesterday. He said, well, yeah. That's a good idea. Let's go and do that. And uh, you know, so look, I think I think this idea of uh, you know whether they're lawyers or um, journalists or PR people, people who are going to take on a cause that is so important that touches you know lots of lives and see if we can improve our society a little bit, Becky. Because I'm sure you'll agree with me. We're all a bit down in the dumps at the moment and worried <laughs> and and yeah. and frightened and scared and. You know, I, I, listen, I've just, you know, and I'm sure like you, I've been through adversity in my life and you just think, right, well, uh, you know, I'm just not going to take it lying down and just see if you can go and help people. And I believe that people like you and I who do have the skills that do maybe have, you know, the, you know, the muscles in our brain because we've had to exercise them. I think I think it's incumbent on us, whether you go out and help corporations or whether you go out and help people, I think. I think we should, as lawyers, say to ourselves, come on, we can we can do more as a profession. And as you say, creatively, don't just go do the take the cookie cutter approach, but just step back and say, right, OK, I can do the law. But what more can I do to help people? And, you know, that's our dream. That's our vision. That's our dream is to maybe have I may have a panel of people around the country who are not afraid to have a bit of a go. I think that this is both exciting and, and kind of important, particularly important right now, because as you were talking and as I was thinking about Harry's parents and I was thinking about my own life, one of the ways the world feels to me at the moment is that we have systems in place, political, financial, which feel incomprehensible and unassailable. Yeah. Um, I was talking um the last podcast I recorded, I was talking with a fabulous barrister um, called Abby Johnson, and she said the thing about the law is that it's always two steps behind morality mm. because the law is playing catch up and lawyers are playing catch up. So lawyers are always working within a system which is two steps behind what is moral and just for the age. Yeah. And But changing that system, particularly I think at the moment, with the complexity of the world that we live in and with the prevalence of misinformation, um, is, is really hard and feels sometimes, as I said, unassailable. So as when you were talking about the importance of the media, uh, and I completely agree with you that a free press is a fundamental. Is it the Washington Post that says democracy dies in darkness? And one of the ways I always challenge people when they say, you know, voting democratic, and I sort of say, well, voting is democratic if you are voting and you, un and you understand the truth. But if you are voting based on a huge amount of misinformation coming your way through no fault of your own, then it, is that democracy anymore? How do we change that sort of system? So I think that you're right. You know, we we have this capacity, not just lawyers, but PR experts and media people to speak the truth. Speak about injustice and then show people the route to making that change, because otherwise it feels like you just live your life, the system within the system, and it's impossible making to make any difference. And that's not true. 
you've shown that that's not true. Yeah, I think I think what's I think what's really interesting just listening to hear about you and your experiences and, and, and other colleagues. I listen. I don't claim to have all the answers. I don't. I don't claim, and I always want to learn from colleagues and mentors. But I think the point that you make is a very important one. It is a complex life. It is fraught with you know hurdles and obstacles, and sometimes you know the law does help society. And you know we can think of many examples where people mm-hmm. have had their justice. And but what I think the question is, if we're if you know if we're looking at this from a human rights perspective, which I think we all should, um, and like I said, this is new to me because I've never really done it before. But having done it, I think where we see very obvious examples of human rights abuse, and let's not pretend it doesn't happen in this country. It does, mm-hmm. and I've seen it firsthand. Um, we have to do better than we are currently doing. I, I think if you look at, you know, both governments asked Charlotte and Tim to just forget about Harry's life and to walk on by. It's just one of those things. And very sorry, we feel very sad for you. But, um, uh, and then you look at the Andrew Harper situation, which the whole country is horrified and appalled at. You know, as I said, I, I I I have been approached by hundreds and hundreds of people. I I am concerned that our approach as a profession generally is not good enough at the moment, and I think um, we can't you know sugarcoat things for people. But we are really attracted to what you say. You know, we do. We sometimes we're a bit down in the dumps about ourselves, and people don't really like lawyers, and we don't sometimes <laughs> even like to tell the world that we're lawyers. <laughs> it's yeah. like you know, like whisper. I'm I'm a, I'm a solicitor. Um, but I, 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 if you just look at my sort of you know recent experience in this last year, and I hope the nation can see that if you do get behind something. Um, and you can um, make people feel a bit better about themselves, and you can change things. Then, why on earth, if you're a lawyer, wouldn't you? Why, why wouldn't you get out there and help people? And uh, it's been the most satisfying, rewarding thing. You know, completely unpaid, um, which of course is an issue for we can we can we all need to find ways to earn money, of course. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I, 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 I do. As the world gets more and more complex, as I think um, human rights issues will continue to surface, um, you know, don't don't wait. And I guess in my case, I think it was just a obviously a tragedy that this had happened to my neighbors. But they shouldn't have to, should they, Becky? Just rely on the sheer luck of having a lawyer in the village who's mad enough to do this. I think we have to. I think that's one of the great lessons, and I think that's what people and you and I should analyze afterwards. What if I hadn't been there, or what if I hadn't been available? What if I was off doing something else? These people, you never would have heard of Harry Dunn, and they would have gone on living the most awful pain ever. What, as a society, as a profession, can we do so when the worst happens, we signpost people to the right place? It just it just doesn't happen. So you would think, for instance, in a criminal case, you'd be appointed a family liaison officer. You know, they're they're not your advocate. They're not going to you know change things. Um, I, I just wonder whether that there is something that that is a profession we need to change because you and I will sit in our in, in our in our in our offices waiting for people to call. But when the worst happens and you are in difficulty, you know we should make ourselves available as a profession to to help people 
um, and not um, wait for them to call us to have, right, okay, if this happens to you, go and see Rad. If this that happens to you, go and see Becky. You know, just, I, there is such a need for it. And, you know, why are, why are hundreds and hundreds of people calling me or messaging me, asking for me to help? You know, I, I, there's clearly an issue there that, that needs to be explored. I, I think that we can go deeper and then we can go back earlier than that, actually. I, you know, I absolutely think you're right. But I think that every single lawyer in their day job has the capacity to stop some things before they start. Yeah. You might have the right. duty to do the best for your client as laid out into the professional conduct regulations. But yes. there is nothing in those professional conduct regulations that says you can't say to your client, is that moral? Is that the company you want to be? Is that the right. person you want to be? If you right. instruct me to do it, then I will do it. But there is nothing that stops me challenging your morality here. And we have a capacity to do that as lawyers that we are absolutely terrified from exercising. Well, listen, you might remember your days, you know, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in practice. Where, I do. Where, <laughs> you know, we have, we have people, you know, who are nominally in charge of ethics at organizations, whether they be corporations or governments. But having, a, having come across the people who are head of ethics at, at um, government departments, they don't appear to have any power. They're all, yeah. you know, you know, they are, they are people, as far as I can see, who are just not listened to. They're doing good work. They're trying to get things done a certain way. But how, you know, you you raise a very important point actually, because one of my biggest beefs here is, you know, you know, Harry's parents shouldn't have needed me. Where were the foreign office? Where were the foreign office officials coming to knock on their door? Where was the MP? And, and and to her credit, she just simply said she didn't think it was her place. But come on, it, you know, it wasn't my place, was it, as their neighbor? Um, uh, I got up and w w went and knocked on their door to see if there's anything I could do. Where were the authorities, you know, with their ethics and thinking, right, there's a UK citizen who's lost his life. The Americans are trying to stomp all over the, um, the, the, the rights of their family. We're going to go and knock on the door. Forget the tram lines. Forget all that. And listen, go and see them. If you know, you can you could do it privately and say, actually, guys, there is a problem here. I suggest you go and get a lawyer. And here's a couple of recommendations. Don't. What they were trying to do, Becky, hor horribly mm. at the time was to tell them that they had no chance. Um, and listen, hopefully, as, 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 as your listeners in the nation now say, not only is there uh, was there a chance? We're about to make the chance happen. So, yeah. thing, so many things went wrong. But that's, you know, you're absolutely right because you could stop it at source, couldn't you? Don't, you know, listen. Tragedies happen on the road and elsewhere. We can't stop that. We can do better at it, but we can never stop it altogether. But you remember my my expression: do the right thing. Yeah. And when the when the worst happens, don't wait. Just go and do the right thing. And you remember you and I working together. How much good we did in helping people from behind the scenes. You and I never waited to be asked to go and do the right thing. Instinctively, morally, ethically, we knew it was the right thing to do when we harmed people, and as, 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 as corporations tend to do. But this government sat there on its hands, and I've seen some of the internal memos, crossing their fingers, hoping against hope that there was no, I think what, I think that what they called unpalatable headlines. Wow. <sighs> You know, shocking. And I think, listen, I've, I've called for a public inquiry. There needs to be one, not to sort of 
you know, clearly people will need to be held to account who are engaged in misconduct and sadly there was at the at the foreign office but more importantly and as charlotte would, would tell you if she was on it's just about making sure it never happens again and i th i think you make a very important point don't wait until the bad thing happens <laughs> sort yourself out beforehand and uh, i know there's lots of colleagues who do practice in that field and how we help them get a stronger voice when particularly in government when politicians are trying to head off one way and will do what they want to do um, uh, I think it's a very important point that you raise. I think, I, if anything, I'd like the legacy from this episode, because I don't see why individual episodes shouldn't have legacies, is to sort of remind people that the right thing is not complicated. I think that as lawyers, that sometimes we get muddled up and mired in a a mess of thinking well it's complicated you know and I'm sure that the UK government were thinking trade deal relationship with America exactly. it's complicated but it is not morality isn't what is right what is just is very simple it's how far you are willing to go and I mean how far should we be willing to go for what is right well I would say all the way and I know that you would agree with me <laughs> but we forget yeah, I think what's so interesting, but you know, frightening in many ways, is um, you know Dominic Robb, who is you know actually you know I, I think is a as a decent guy, privately um, I've, I've met with him a number of times as I, as has my son Isaac. Um, we, we we we've built up a good rapport. We disagree on the approach sometimes, and I've told him I'm always going to call him out um, um, publicly, but privately. Uh, listen, I think I think he's very admiring of the parents in this campaign, and I, I think he is, you know, in awe of what what <laughs> what we've proven, you know, it is possible. But I think, you know, I think it's um, it's a bit scary that people in authority didn't see this problem through the lenses that I saw it in. And why is that, Becky? Why did I see? a human rights abuse that as you say you know it wasn't complicated you don't even need to be a lawyer to understand that it's not um that was morally and legally indefensible but why why was i having to push that boulder up uh, mount everest from the start why was it why did it even need me and i think i i am slightly concerned that 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 um even occurred but more determined than ever um, to make sure it doesn't. But look, I am who I am, and I need people like you and professional colleagues out there to look at this also and say, yeah, he's got a point. Well, you know, we shouldn't need the Rad Seegers of this world to solve problems. You know, stop it at source. But, uh, you know, we, collectively, we're going to need to come together, I think, with a stronger voice and call this out. We can't, with our skills, watch watch the suffering and just go well that's just the way it is not a lot i can do um as i've proven uh, yeah uh, you can change you can you know you can change the world you can change the law as you've seen we've closed that ridiculous um loophole legal loophole that was at uh, raf Croton, which allowed ansicullis to escape in the first place it's now being sort of referred to as the harry dunn amendment i mean you can change the law so look I'll be coming out evangelical about it, but I'm so <laughs> glad that you've invited me on to talk about these things because, listen, I, I, I don't want to become obsessive about it, but I am not going to see people suffer and walk on by. 
I can't solve everybody's problems, but I'll give it my, 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 my best shot. I wanted to ask you actually about that, about the obsessiveness of it. I think mm. from what I've observed, Harry Dunn is not going to be the first of these injustices, political mm. injustices, and sadly, I doubt who will be the last. But these mm. sorts of highly political cases can take years to resolve if if resolution ever even happens. How do you maintain your um, not only momentum, but your mental health, your equilibrium, both of you and of the people that you're representing over such an expanded time scale? Thank you. I think that's probably the most important question to discuss because for me, it's all about mental health. And we talk about, um, you know, what are undoubtedly complex matters such as diplomatic immunity and extradition and um, politics. But, you know, for me, I'm, I've always been very clear and, you know, listen, I've, you know, I've had my own, my own mental health issues in the past as have family members. I'm, you know, I'm a mental health ambassador. I, I am, you know, very focused on that, and um, as a, as an absolute priority. But when I met Charlotte, um, and she said to me that the night that Harry died, she got there at, to hospital um, three minutes too late, so she didn't get to comfort him. She didn't get to help him, <sighs> and. Um, just missed him didn't get to say goodbye but through her despair she said to him and obviously you know they they, they knew the circumstances in which he he had died you know the the crash scene she you know, the car was on the wrong side of the road it was it was obvious to to everybody there that um she said to harry um uh, i will get you justice and so when you when you're lucky enough to know somebody who is um as resilient and courageous as Charlotte, um, who many days does find it difficult to get out of bed and, and, and carry on, but it, more often than not does. Uh, I, I draw my inspiration from her because, look, Becky, you can't turn the clock back. She mm. will ne Harry will never walk through the door again. Give her a kiss, a hug, send her that text message that mums always love to get. <laughs> and yet, um she's determined to help the next family now if she can get out of bed and fight for a good cause you know um who am i to say i'm a bit tired or i need a rest or whatever so uh, she sets the pace and it is as you've seen over these last 11 months unrelenting mm. and um i i have often <laughs> Get on my knees because you know <laughs> dealing, dealing with America, which is you know it, 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 you know most of the time I'm, I'm I'm dealing with New York and Washington, which are five hours behind. But sometimes in the West Coast, it's eight hours behind. When I do all my work here, then I'm dealing with people in the United States. And look, I think that's one of the reasons why it's been so successful because we have just been unrelenting. I think I don't know that there's ever been a campaign like it that we have been able to hit. Um, people in authority in London and Washington pretty much every day of every single yeah. week of every single month for the last 11 months with the great support of the British public and we have never let up and I wonder whether um, that's the, something that other campaigns have just suffered from they come in and out of our minds 
Um, and uh, as I've you know, I looked politicians in the eyes, they deal with the most pressing issues. And we have, with, 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 with the public's help, made sure that Harry remains at the top of the agenda. And I know from my discussions with people in Washington and London, and London, that Harry remains at the top of the agenda. So it has become a bit of a, a bit of a, uh, a mission of mine to make sure that it doesn't drop from the top mm. of the agenda because I think that's the best solution. But look, I, I I am very fortunate to have a tremendous family around me. I've got good friends around me. I've got great colleagues around me, um, and I I um, funnily enough, as I sort of I'm into my mid-50s now. I've got more energy than I ever have. I've got energy to burn. And 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 many, many nights I go without sleep. Um, and I wake up the next morning and ready to go. And I, uh, Becky, you, you'll have felt this as well. You know, there are times in your life, whether it's professionally or in your home life, that you just know you're doing something important. And this feels very important. It feels like it's the most important thing, certainly professionally, I have ever done. And um, I just uh, maybe it's it's a you know it's a bit of a cause, but I don't mind sharing with you and your listeners that there are many many times where I just I do break down, and I cry a lot. I'm a good crier, and it isn't easy supporting grieving families. I have to tell you, um, because all I really want to do is be able to turn the clock back and bring the loved ones back. I can't do that. So there is never talk about a victory or a celebration or we've had a that bit of law changed. There's no um, high, really. But you look at these people and you see the pain that they're in. Um, it, it does take its toll. Um, but I've spoken to many, many scientists, researchers, and I've spoken to many, many victims um, who either lost, you know, had life-changing injuries or who mm. have lost loved ones. The answer, Becky, is not to walk away. Um, sometimes when you feel like doing it, because uh, listen, I've met people who've been going for 30 years trying to get justice, um, particularly with the American situation, how they just injure and kill people on the road and then leave, and people who didn't do this sort of thing. And they're still breaking down and crying because they're just consumed with anger. So look, I have no idea whether, whether uh, I'm doing the right thing. But Charlotte, Charlotte has stood up and she said, I don't care. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I made a promise to my son that night, and that's what I'm going to do. I think that even if I said, right, I'm out or I'm tired or I've had a nervous breakdown, um, and she did as well, I think the nation would carry on the campaign for us as well. But I, I think you're right. We, every day we check in with each other. We say, right, are we going to do media today or not? And often we don't. Um, because we're not up to it and I'll just go away and do some quiet work. But, you know, mental health is an absolute priority. And I think what what Charlotte is doing is her best way towards being able to begin to rebuild her shattered life. And once she gets her justice, which she will, um, she can get closure. Whereas I guess some people would be tempted to say, oh, I can't be bothered doing this and it's not for me. My my research and the evidence that I have is that that is not the way forward. But listen, we'll see. We'll see. I think that we're pretty much at the end of our time. I think it's been an amazing discussion. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking to me, Rand. It's been not just it's always a pleasure talking to you, but I always feel like when I finish talking to you that I'm maybe a little bit of a better person. 
I don't know. I just feel like, well, no, I can change the world. It can be better. I can do it. Becky, look, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I, I think it was a, a perfect timing. I think it's an important discussion. And I think, look, I, I don't claim to be better than anybody else. I, you know, particularly people like you, I think you're much brainier than I ever have been. I, I've never been that sort of backroom <laughs> geeky lawyer that can quote all sorts of law. That's just not been who I am. But I, I hope that with sharing my experiences over the last year or so, I hope that I do inspire um, professional colleagues that just maybe think, can't we can all do a bit better, can't we? I've certainly raised my game by a country mile over this last year, and I I hope that because um, I won't be able to go around and help everybody. I hope that colleagues will step forward now and say, right, look, it's the art of the possible, and so. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed the chat. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please do like and subscribe. And we would love to hear any feedback or episode ideas that you have. The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash the hearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.